0: Hey, good morning. The coffee has arrived, so I think it's time for us to begin. Uh, this morning, uh, James Leonard is going to be sharing with us about how more about morning prayer, and how remind me the title again. It is a practice practice of, practice of paying attention. I love that I really do. So a couple of announcements. One is is that We're going to try something a little different today, and that is that if somebody has a question, if you raise your hand, I'm going to come and bring this to you so that everyone can hear your question, and if there's a comment, everybody can hear the comments. So I'll be sitting here and I'll be watching, and then if you are done with what you're saying, and you see another hand raised, if you would take it to that person. And then if you don't, if you want, I'll just come and grab it from you, okay? But I think because of this procedure, We're going to wait until Jim says, hey, are there any questions or comments before raising our hands, okay, because that's the least, I think, disruptive for him. Um, The other thing I wanted to tell you is that, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, you know, I went over this little booklet about a guide to how to use the prayer book in your daily devotions with the prayer offices, and there still are a few back there if you did not get one. Now, there were a few typos, so next week I hope we're going to have New ones that kind of, the titles were relatively minor, but if you notice them, don't worry, we saw that Bible wasn't spelled correctly too. Um, (laughs) um, But the other thing I wanted to draw attention to you is that um, we have the November colics and readings ready. And again, this is supposed to kind of go with this because what this provides for you is the daily readings um, and What I also think is really kind of handy is the collect of each week, so that when you're using your prayer book, you don't have to thumb ahead to find that collect. It's just right here on that sheet, along with the readings for each day, with the daily lectionary, which is, of course, different from the Sunday lectionary. So, thank you, and James, if you would like to come forward, we're really waiting to hear from you this morning. Thank you.
1: My credentials for standing up here are that um, my wife Henny, right here, and I uh, use the prayer book every morning in app form. <laughs> uh, what I want to talk about is um, paying attention. And uh, we're going to end up the whole teaching on, on, in chapter 8 of the book of Luke, in which Jesus directs us that way, but Paul also directs us that way in the book of Ephesians, when he, um, when he talks about the eyes of the heart, the eyes of the heart, and we're, we're going to try to develop some acuity for the eyes of the heart this morning. But before we begin talking about uh, the daily prayer office as a practice toward learning to pay attention, I would like to share some undergirding principles regarding praying the office. I will read each of these thoughts twice with a pause in between in which you can consider what's being said. I've got five sentences here, and I'll we'll... we'll slowly read through them, and I'll give you a little time to consider what it says. We pray as God's house, as his temple, that is, with our whole body, soul, and spirit, and as a member of the body of Christ, indeed, as Christ himself. We pray as God's house, as his temple, that is, with our whole body, soul, and spirit, and as a member of the body of Christ, indeed, as Christ himself. We pray with the understanding that the spirit of God that permeates us is the very love that flows between the Father and the Son. We pray with the understanding that the Spirit of God that permeates us is the very love that flows between the Father and the Son. We pray receptively so that we are in a position to give back what we've been given. We pray receptively, so that we are in a position to give back what we've been given. We pray without judgment. With God's help, we learn to observe our prayer Without judging or critiquing ourselves in prayer. We pray without judgment. With God's help, we learn to observe our prayer without judging or critiquing ourselves in prayer. We pray knowing that the text is secondary. It is a servant of the living and active word. Our attention is primarily emerging from the word made flesh and then given back. The text is secondary. It is a servant of the living and active word. Our attention is primarily emerging from the word, made flesh, and then given back. I'd like you to share with the person next to you anything that retains after hearing those thoughts. Is there anything that was meaningful in those thoughts or meant something to you, clicked, Share it with the person next to you, please. As I go through this, uh, I'm going to assume that you normally pray your uh, daily prayer from the Book of Common Prayer alone. But much of what we say here will be will be apl- applicable to doing it together with someone else or with a whole group of people. And we'll start with the externals. Our main interest today is the internal stuff, but it's really good and helpful to have some externals set. What we're imagining here is that we get up in the morning or whatever time of day that we want to uh, do our, our, our daily prayer practice and we think of it as a rendezvous with a lover. And if you have a lover and you want to meet with that person, you're going to have to do some organizing. You're going to have to call him or her up and say, let's meet at a certain place, a certain time. There's going to be a certain setting involved, and we need to set that place. So, we choose a time and place that offers maximum silence and solitude. A time when you are most alive. You're most alert in your day. Wouldn't that be the best time to come and meet this person you love so much? And you let your other loved ones know that this is a special time of meeting so that they can respect that silent time for you. You might have a candle or a cross that helps you to focus on what you're there for. Do you have a Prayer, chair, a prayer chair, a stool, a kneeler, something, some place that is for you can become sacred. You set the duration ahead of time. How long am I going to be sitting here doing this? How long am I kneeling here? Uh, It's good to decide that ahead of time. I personally set my... uh, time right on there and at the end of it some lovely music starts to play to know that i can now get up and move on to something else and it's good to have a little place for your stuff you know if you have a prayer book a hand cross a bible a notebook have it handy right there and all of this is organized ahead of time, and, and, and then the, the scene is set, and you're ready to meet with your loved one, the one who loves you best. I could, I just recently met with a man who has ADHD, and uh, he also has uh, a, a bad hip, so there's always pain in his hip. And he told me that after many years, very spiritual man, after many years, he's found his place. And he said, I thought it was going to be in my office, and I had a chair up there, but no, it's really downstairs. I have a place on the couch. I can look out the window, and I can see the beauties of nature. And somehow, that allows me to move into a place where I'm really... Sensing the presence of God, his name was Mark. And then, another—only a week and a half ago—I was talking to a businessman from England, Bath, England, and he said, "I've set up a home office, and in it, you know, I could see the chair behind it was a nice, comfortable chair." He said, "I found my place of, of prayer, and it's it's right there behind me, and I." Both of them were quite excited that they had finally come to a place where they really knew where they were going to set up. Um, <clears throat> I think most, if not all, of you have already been through that time of saying, this is my prayer place, and you know where it is, and uh, it, you know how much it helps. You don't have to think about the externals anymore. Um, Ignatius was a military man. St. Ignatius, and, and he recommends that you come into your, sp- your space as, and, and give a formal greeting to the Lord. And, and he says, uh, uh, you, you know, it's as if the, the drill sergeant is calling out, Attention! And you respond. You're ready to respond by giving your whole attention. The conductor taps the podium, and all eyes are on him and our conductor of course is Christ himself. We are ready, we say Hinaini, and our leader, also our lover, says at ease. This is Hinaini. So (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the book is open before us and we are ready to enter into prayer. That's the external stuff. And the internal stuff, well, I'd like to suggest that if we have suggest, have accepted Christ into our hearts as Savior and Lord, he is actually there in the center of our being. His presence within, is within us as the Spirit of God. But our theology of the Trinity tells us that the three persons of God cannot be separated. If our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the Father and the Son are also with us. Someplace in our very center, we are brimming with the glory of God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But if we try to locate that place Within us, we find that every part of our body in which we look for God, we find him there in equal intensity. Therefore, prayer is acknowledging what already is. It is dispelling the idea that we could be separate from Christ in God, who said, I will never leave you or forsake you our problem seems to be that we lose sight of that truth. Prayer is then opening our hearts to the presence of God within us and in all things. It is more a matter of awareness of the eternal goodness that our catechism and theology tells us is everywhere. We might say then that the goal of all prayer is to be fully present to God's presence. That eliminates a number of other goals, such as getting through a certain amount of text offered by the Bible or the Book of Common Prayer, or the goal of trying to be a better person. But if the goal is to be fully present, and attentive to God's presence in prayer, we find out that we are not up to reaching that goal. In our weakness, then, we are forced to turn to God, asking him to open our eyes, specifically the eyes of the heart that Paul refers to in his prayer for the Ephesians. Recently, I asked a very young friend when he feels closest to God. And after a pause, he told me that he had prayed to receive God in his heart only a week or so before. He said that it wasn't the first time he invited God into his heart. But he said, a few minutes after my prayer, and these are his words, I was astounded. I felt so happy. Every bit of sadness in me was gone. This would be an example of experiential salvation, which is being present to the presence. It is also an example of paying attention. Here's how Mary Oliver describes what is happening when we pay attention. She says, 10 times a day, something happens to me like this, some strengthening throb of amazement, some good, sweet, empathic ping and swell. This is the first, the wildest and wisest thing I know that the soul exists and is built entirely out of attentiveness. That's a poem. You'll notice that Oliver uses the passive voice. She says, something happens to me. She says 10 times a day, but I think she some days it's probably a hundred. How would you describe your feeling as you enter into prayer? Anyone want to <laughs> share that with us? Uh, something maybe less poetic than Mary Oliver's version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, sometimes I'm so excited about
0: what's going on, but I always do start with that. I know you're here and you're closer than my
1: breath and love me. And I always start there. Oh, that's so good. I need to hear that. I mean, I'm desperate for that. Yeah. Thank you, Rich. Yes, please. <laughs> I'm going to
0: run out of time. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I would say that again so that they can. hear.
0: i guess I better do this or I'm gonna run out of time.
1: Yeah, right, you've got a couple of kids you gotta watch after. All right, anybody else? Thank you so much for sharing, appreciate that.
0: I start my day with prayer because I know it sets the tone For the rest of my day and and if i'm i don't start early in the morning my prayer time at some point during the day i do practice a pause of some sort and i'll sit down for 15 minutes 20 minutes so it depends because it does really set the tone for my whole day my thought pattern Um, inviting the lord into my day is just really part of Uh, You know, it's part of me, and it's part of I want him to be with me. I want to be with him together and throughout the day. And it just, like I said, it sets the, the tone for the day.
1: Thank you, Monica. As we enter into the daily office of the Book of Common Prayer, we want to let something happen to us. We are thankful for the portions of the word of God that are offered to us as a means of worship. This scripture is both our focus and our source of focus. So we read it with all our heart as if there was nothing we'd rather do, nothing more important to us. Jesus said it this way, The light of the body is the eye. And therefore, when your eye is single, your whole body is full of light. This is Jesus, the wisdom teacher, teaching us about our spiritual eye. I have quoted a literal translation in which the Greek word hoplos, now some of you are really Greek people and I'm, I'm not, but I'm still gonna go into this. With my uh, background in Bible translation, I can't help it. I have, uh, I've quoted the Greek, I, I, the, the literal translation of the Greek word hoplos is single. Modern translations struggle to get the meaning of hoplos across to the present audience Present day audience translating it with something like good or healthy or generous. If your eye is good, then your whole body will be full of light. But the meaning of the, the real meaning of the term is single, simple, unfolded, undivided. The eye Jesus speaks of is the spiritual eye, which is the doorway to spiritual knowledge. And the body is your whole sensing being. So here's the Jim Leonard Amplified Version. When your spiritual eye is undivided with a single focus on Christ in you, the light of the world, then your whole body, your whole being is full of spiritual understanding or illumination. So here's a question for you. How is spiritual knowledge any different from any other kind of knowledge? Thank you. Uh, Bob, you want to wait for the... Where did the mic go? (laughs) Mary's coming with it. Bob was teaching... Last week, it was so lovely to hear about the poetry of the Book of Common Prayer. Yeah, we, t- we sometimes think of knowledge as being uh, this sort of <coughs> requiring a, an objective attitude in which we uh, abstract from our daily concerns and so forth and just try to, try to contemplate the truth but uh, the knowledge of the heart is, uh, is knowledge that's bathed in concern, bathed in, in love, uh, yes. in interest, in uh, sort of connection with what we're, what we're uh, knowing. Yes. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate that. So, all good and well, but how? How can I pray with an undivided eye? I'm frequently distracted. Quite honestly, my mind is constantly jumping forward and backward in time. Now it is planning my next project, or it is dwelling on events coming up. And now it is looking into past hurts and embarrassing moments. And then it jumps to worrying about a child or a grandchild. How can I see with a single eye? How can I sit at Jesus' feet? and listen only to what he is saying. Let's look at, at, for a moment at, at Psalm 80. Uh, you have it right there in several sources. <laughs> one, the Black Bible in your seat, and the other one, the Book of Common Prayer. I should have looked up the page number in the Book of Common Prayer, but I did not. Uh, so uh, Psalm 80 is what I'm referring you to. This is um, what, what I can see as a, a beautiful psalm that is helping us to pay attention. The, the, the writer of the psalm, the psalmist, is devastated by the fact that the whole land has been taken over by a foreign enemy. And the result of that is that it's, there's no longer access to the temple of God where there is, uh, it, within the temple, the Holy of Holies, the holiest room. You enter into the larger space and the altar and the place that the the sacrifice is burned, and then you enter into the holy place where there's very the, the, the bread of sacrifice and grace. Then behind a the curtain, but behind the curtain is the uh, the um, Ark of the Covenant. And on top of the Ark of the Covenant, two angels are seated. And those angels are facing each other. And the Jewish people believed that there, the light of God was shining so brightly. The presence of God, which they imagined as the light of God on the, uh, the tabernacle. You know, the word for presence in the Old Testament especially, is usually face. The presence of God is the face of God. And so the blessing of God is to ask his face to shine upon you. It's a little bit dangerous to do so, um, because it seems that the face of God, if it shines on somebody who doesn't care about him or doesn't believe in him, uh, could disappear from the face of the earth at that point. So the, there's great power in this face, but this face is so full of love as it shines down upon you. So in, um, in that psalm, we can just read the first couple of verses. Uh, somebody who has a microphone close to him might read uh, uh, the first three verses of that psalm since I don't have it handy here.
0: Hear, O Shepherd of Israel, you that lead Joseph like a sheep. Show yourself also, you that sit upon the cherubim, before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Stir up your strength and come to help us. Restore us again, O God, Show the light of your countenance, and we shall be whole.
1: Yeah. Thank you. The guy's desperate. The whole country is falling apart. Foreign enemies are running everywhere. No place is safe. And he calls out, restore us. I, 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 I don't like the word restore because it's not right. The... Hebrew says, turn us again. Very simple. Restore us implies the end of that goal. But you start out by the Lord gently turning you toward himself. And that's what we're praying for with the psalmist. Oh, Turn us again from all my distractions and my worries and all the troubles I think about and oh my goodness my grandchild fell into this problem and how you know. turn us again, O oh Lord. Show us the face, show us your countenance, show us your face, countenance, big fancy word for your face. Just look at us, Lord with that loving gaze, because if you do look at us with that loving gaze, we shall be saved. And so in that moment of seeing the face of God, of realizing that we're in the presence of God, we're actually experiencing the salvation that we have experienced before through our faith in Christ. Here's what we believe in the words of St. Paul, who says in 2 Corinthians, For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Always there. This is our prayer, the prayer of those devastated by distraction Turn us again, O God, and cause your face to shine on us, and we shall be saved. We are asking that our spiritual eye be re-centered on the face of Christ in the Holy of Holies, our innermost being. Refocused on the fair beauty of Christ, we experience salvation in every present moment. Evelyn Underhill says it this way, God is always coming to you in the sacrament of the present moment. Meet and receive him there with gratitude for that sacrament. What is it like to be focused on the bright face of Christ in the holiest place within us? For a young one, one young man, it was astounding. I was so happy. There wasn't a bit of sadness in me. Practicing the presence is in the passive voice. We are turned inward by the one who turns us again. That's what we pray for. We open the book or the app. When we read the first line of scripture, often it's a psalm, perhaps Psalm 85. Will you not give us life again, that your people may rejoice in you? You stop, you reflect, your mind wanders, you turn again to the face of God in the center of your being, and that's how it goes again and again and again. Oh, my goodness, I'll never get through this. You don't have to get through it. You only have to go that far. You might only get ten words. If you're knowing the presence of God, it's enough. It's good enough. Let's let's take a look um, at Jesus teaching... uh, with the help of the evangelist Luke chapter 8 and you've got a Bible right there. I love this piece because we're going to talk about that light again that Jesus the wisdom teacher is talking to us and about all, to all the world about. He It says at the very beginning of chapter 8 of the book of Luke he went through cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news and the kingdom of God. So that's that's what he's up to. And in verse 4, a great crowd is gathering and he preaches a sermon. I love the sermons of Jesus because they're so short. <laughs> and look at that. It's only five sentences. And in that, those five sentences, he tells something to everybody that they already know. That they're all farmers and he talks to them about planting seeds. And so what, you know? And and, and he doesn't explain much. He just says, um, some fell on good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's the whole thing. And he walks away. There's a big crowd there. He could have talk to him for hours, I guess, but he didn't. He gave him three minutes or two minutes or whatever it was. And the disciples, you know, oh, wait a second, this isn't the way it's done, Lord. Uh, could you explain a little bit about what the seed and all of that business is? And so Jesus does. He's, he, he takes his time and slowly walks through it with those who are really interested If you care. See, Jesus taught with parables, and he tells us right here that this is the reason. Because those whose heart isn't open will walk away and say, that was dumb. You know, I I came all his way to hear this guy talk, and that's all he's got to say to me. Or they walk away saying, oh my goodness, there was something in that. That was a very special, there's depth in there, and you begin to talk about it with the friend next to you, and you begin to say, what was this business of? And, um, and so it is that Jesus says in verse 15, for that in the good soil, that is the seed, are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Anybody with a simple, honest, good heart can understand what I'm saying, says Jesus. Those who want to be more sophisticated will have to go elsewhere. Now, in verse 16, and this is, this is what I'm getting at. I mean, that was all a, a preparation for moving toward what Jesus has to say about these things because he's giving spiritual light to these people. And then he says, no one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. He's again talking in kind of parable language But he's talking about a light that's been given, and it's like a a lamp, and it's put upon a stand so that people can see it. What is is the light then at that point? What is the stand? The stand is these guys who were just listening to the teachings of Jesus and had been filled with some spiritual light. Now it's their turn to shine out. And your turn. That's why Jesus says, you are the light of the world. No one after lighting a lamp covers it. Who's the no one? It's Jesus himself. No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar. Or puts it under a bed. Or puts it on a stand. So that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. I've always thought in the past that's a little scary, you know. All these (laughs) murky things in my heart could come to light, and I don't... Particularly want that to be shown around <laughs> um, but no what he's really talking about is this light that I'm giving you which is basically my father is the most compassionate loving generous God that's what he's saying that's the light right there that's all it is and he's he says when you this is this can't be hidden This is going to shine out from you. Take care then that how you hear. Another way is pay attention to how you listen. And that's what we've been aiming for 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 the whole talk here that I've been giving so far. Is that Jesus is telling us that we should pay attention to the way we pay attention. Think about how we are listening. When I listen to a friend tell me a story about what happened in his life, am I already creating in my mind the answer that I'm going to give him? Or am I really caring about his experience and entering into it? Pay attention to how you listen. When I enter with my friend Jesus into morning prayer, Am I expecting a certain kind of sermon from him? Or am I expecting him to speak to me in his beautiful language of uh, paradox? <laughs> For the one who has, has what? Has the light. For the one who has, more will be given. Isn't that the truth? Once you've seen the way Jesus speaks and you're getting this this whole method of of talking in paradox and parables, uh, you begin to get it and you you receive it more readily. And then from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Oh my goodness, Jesus, why, why do you have to be so harsh? Is he really being harsh? I think not. I think he's being kinder than we can imagine. When I think I know it all, and I've got the light by the tail, I'm missing it. Not even what he thinks he has. I mean, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. But that's good that that's taken away from me. Here, I think I, I know everything. If that's taken away, it leaves room for what's really important. It leaves room for the light to shine in. These are very compassionate words. They're not harsh or critical words from our Lord, whose only interest is sharing with us the love of the Father. So Jesus has directed us to what we should pray for. That is, the ability to listen with an honest and open heart. And when we do this, we discover who we are. We find out that we are neither heroes nor the villains we thought we were. We are weak, incapable, and unable to stay awake with Jesus for even one hour we begin to know a little more deeply that grace is everything. That we are completely dependent on the love we receive in order to give the love we would like to. In our failure to stay and pray with Christ, we discover that his grace is sufficient. My friends, when our hearts are open and honest, Even our distractions are God-given and will lead us to the light that is to Jesus, whose face is always shining on us. So this is the ancient Christian practice of learning how to stay alert. Stay awake. Pay attention. We read our daily prayers with receptive openness to the scriptures We are grounding our prayer practice in the ongoing process of learning to discover and rest in God's presence, seen in a receptive openness to whatever we might be engaged in at the moment. We learn to stand firmly on the first rung of the ladder to heaven, learning to be attentive to God's voice, reverberating in a psalm, a collect, a song, a news report, a conversation heard on a train as we ride to work. We are learning through our daily prayer practice to open our spiritual eyes and ears, to notice the holiness of all things as God utters us into existence as we wash out a pot, as we fix a broken door, or slip our shoes off at the end of the day. I have a handout. My wife will take care of that. It says the same thing in different words.
0: Thank you so much, Jim. That was truly a treasure.